Welcome to this week's episode of Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And you can call me the train conductor, but my name is Matt Golden. Uh, you can call me the train conductor because today we're talking about the wonderful animated Christmas film, The Polar Express. I'm so excited to talk about it. It's something that I watch every year with my friends and my family. I watch it probably seven or eight times a year, so I was extremely prepared for this podcast. Didn't watch anything. I've already got the movie uh, memorized by heart. So let's just dive right into it. Glad you didn't question anything. I'm glad like you, just like every American family gathers around friends and family that a tradition we all share in watching <laughs> the Polar Express. Yes. Tom Hanks is a godsend. It was uh, really weird whenever uh, Congress outlawed every other Christmas film except for that one. Yeah, it was it was really strange. No more Christmas Vacation or Elf or anything. But like I that. applaud it because we'll need the Polar Express. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Train Conductor, but this week we're talking about the Netflix film Polar, based off the Dark, Ho- Dark Horse comic. Uh, I can accept my failure because you called me the Train Conductor, so I think that's a win in my book. Uh, and Polar was originally a webcomic series that Dark Horse picked up and did the first graphic novel, and they've done two more in the series. I want to say they run around, run around 160 pages each. There's supposed to be a final one coming out sometime later this year. Oh, cool. Um, This series is about an assassin who is at the age of retirement. Uh, He's just a grizzled, hard old man who is just, he's actually 50 years old, but that's super old, who's ready to to retire. Yeah, I figure in the assassin world, that's really old. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's weird, though, because for me, Mads Milk, uh, Milkson is like a, a really feminine choice. He's got a really feminine figure, uh, not much muscle mass, uh, really know. slender, like, kind of pudgy guy. I was stoked for, for Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> as his casting. Oh, my uh, God, I was, too. He's for fantastic. those of you who are familiar with him, he played uh, Cassilius in Doctor Strange. He was uh, Gino. That's the villain. Yeah, Gino Urso. That, that was the, I think that was her name. And Rogue One, the main character, she played. Yep. He played her dad, uh, and most people probably know him as Hannibal in the TV series Hannibal. Also, if I'm not mistaken, he was a Bond villain, or does yes, he just have he that was. exact look <laughs> of a Bond villain? He was born to play a Bond villain. <laughs> like now, now I'm doubting myself. I'm not mistaken, but like you said, I was like, oh yes, definitely, he was a Bond villain. I think it was in um, Daniel Craig's first one, Casino Royale. I think. I'll, I'll take your word for. I'm not a, a massive Bond guy. I see the films once, I enjoy them, and then I, I don't got- watch them again computers and iphones and ipads out and we could very easily verify this but we're not going to do it no instead we'll just say spoiler alert and let yes. you know that we're about to wreck this film for everyone and i'll say this uh i do think not for i don't think this film is for everyone but the certain type of person where this film is worth a watch on netflix too especially considering it's a netflix film if you're a fan of the movie sin city You'll like this movie. Yeah. I would say. Or I was, when I was watching it, it brought, it reminded me a lot of Smoke and Aces, the Joe Carahan film. Uh, I, I also thought Guy Ritchie films. This is a very strong yeah. Guy Ritchie type and of a movie. Polar, I feel like, is very much kind of like a callback. It's a more stylized version of like 80s and 90s action flicked with like excessive violence, excessive nudity all throughout. Uh, the story is there, but it's not the strongest suit, but you don't care because you're just seeing, uh, Crazy violence and TNA every five seconds on screen. Yeah, it was. Uh, I actually just got back from a work trip from Vegas. Uh, 
and I was watching this on the plane next to one of my female coworkers. And let me tell you, it was a riot. You have a lawsuit. I was fast forwarding through every titty <laughs> shot that I possibly could. Is it because you hate the female body? Yes, I can't stand yeah. it. It's horrendous. Yeah. You described your... <laughs> Don't tell my girlfriend I said that. <laughs> you described your airplane bag and started fake wrenching. You make her really know that you were not okay with what you were seeing. Exactly. Especially since we just came back from Vegas where boobs and butter everywhere. Yeah. It's about sending a message. It really is. Uh, but this film opens up in Chile. Uh, or Chile. Not the delicious uh, food, but the country. Or the wonderful restaurant. Oh my God, the restaurant's so good. If you're not getting uh, Southwest egg rolls once a week, are you even alive? <laughs> uh, and it opens with no. No. Uh, a guy with a rifle train on a guy hanging out in a mansion in a pool. And that guy happens to be Johnny Knoxville. Johnny butt fucking Knoxville. This is my favorite part of the film because Johnny Knoxville's in it. Yeah, I like. I agreed. I didn't know anything about this film aside from the fact that it was on Netflix. It was based off the Dark Horse comic. It starred Mads Mikkelsen, and I didn't do any research prior because I wanted to go in uh, with as little information as possible so I'd be possibly enjoy it more. And I love the Knoxville cameo, or a bit part, I should say. And we say it was a bit part because he promptly gets assassinated and murdered. Yeah, I was extremely upset. Uh, the movie was nothing but downhill from here. They lost the best character in the whole movie. Uh, yeah, he was uh, he was engaged in sexual congress with a woman. Uh, and then he was shot in the back with the rifle and then murdered by other assassins. And when he asked why, it's because they said he was too old. Yeah. So it's assumed that he was an assassin, but not really made clear there. Let me just start off by saying uh, this is totally believable. I totally buy it. But then you get to like one of the next couple scenes and you see Mads uh, buying a French bulldog for $50. And that's when I was like, this movie is not realistic uh, I think you are jumping way ahead and you forgot where all the assassins after killing Johnny Knoxville were singing September by Earth, Wind, and Fire in the, in the helicopter. I just tried to forget it because they were singing Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, it was a great moment. So for any big Earth, Wind, and Fire fans, you have a moment to celebrate. Yeah, if you like Earth, Wind, and Fire, this movie is for you. But yeah, but so then, tell your parents that they'll love this movie. Uh, then we jump to Seattle. Uh, this is the first time we see Mads Mikkelsen's character. And he's at a doctor's office basically getting a checkup. Oh, I absolutely loved this scene, too. This scene yeah. cracked me up. Yeah, it, it, it really, I mean, as much as like the Knoxville scene kind of set a tone, I feel like this scene set the tone for the movie. Uh, he tells it's going to be a little offbeat uh, and a little quirky at the same time, too. Are you saying because right after the doctor, uh, weird noises and all, uh, checks the prostate of our of our hero... He offers him a piece of cake from a fridge with a bunch of blood and probably semen samples in it. It was pie, peach cobbler, I believe. Yes. And uh, he happily accepts yeah, it. I, lo- I love that Matt accepted the pie. <laughs> they both talked about how good it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just kind of showed that they operated in a different world uh, than what we're used to. Yeah. And we get a scene with him visiting his accountant, which talks about, goes further into detail about him retiring. Um, and it's shown that he put the max away for each hit for whatever company he's contracted with and works for. So he's got a pretty sizable pension plan. And it's cool that if you're a hitman, you get a pension plan. Uh, yeah, I never thought that you just work for a, a company and get a pension plan. But I guess they've got 401ks, yeah. stock uh, stock purchase options, all that kind of good Better stuff. Better benefits than any place I've worked for. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. doctor seems super professional. And he's offering desserts. Like, no doctor of mine has ever done that. Yeah. Like, excellent benefits. 
Uh, and we learn too that he's got homes all over the world. Uh, and the accountant asks him where he's going to be, and he doesn't want to say. But we see him traveling to Montana with the aforementioned scene that Matt mentions, where he, he gets a French bulldog for fifty dollars. And whenever I saw him get the bulldog, I was like, "Ah, oh, that is a cute sob." Nothing better happened to that dog. And then immediately, not three minutes later, the dog is dead. Yes. He uh, he has some PTSD. He's having a nightmare. And he sleeps with his gun on his lap. And he fires his gun while he uh, is jolted awake by the dog and kills the poor little puppy. Yep. So that, that was a dark tone. Uh, you know, it kind of puts a damper on things. But it's still weird. Like, once you're more removed from it, like, you can appreciate the humor. But it's, it's a brave attempt of a movie to take a... A French bulldog puppy and kill it within three minutes and have not just kill it, but have the hero kill the dog. (laughs) There's an excellent callback later in the film where he's talking with Vanessa Hudgens and said that, and he said that he used to have a dog when he he had this dog for all of three hours. And he goes out back and buries the dog with all the stuff because he bought a bunch of stuff for the dog too. Like he intended to care for the dog in his retirement. Uh, It was great too. Like when he bought the dog, he was looking at it and he's like, I don't need a dog. And then it cuts to him with the dog in the car. And then now I'm just getting sad again. Getting choked up. That was actually really fun. I thought the he beginning... He names him. He names him Rusty. Yeah. I thought the first half of this movie, I'll go ahead and say now, just to prep for everybody for a little down the line. First half of this movie was strong. And then the second half I have a lot of issues with. I don't know if you're feeling the same way. We can definitely get into that later. But What do you think of the villain, Mr. Blute? Uh, he definitely made me want to... Uh, bleach my hair, <laughs> wear heels, and get tiny red sunglasses. Who's played by a British actor and comedian, Matt Lucas. Um, you will all recognize him from something. Yeah. I guarantee Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's just one of those bit actors where he's he's very funny. Yeah, he, he's not someone that I expect to play like a main villain at all in a film. But I think it worked for here. Like, he wasn't, like, overly threatening. But he was, like, that Weasley villain that, like, you just love to hate and just want to see bad things happen to him. He's not... I, I think, like you said, he's not a main villain to me. Like, I appreciate it for the film, but he's not a main villain. He's not like a, he's not a Mads, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, no, I would yeah. much prefer somebody much more sinister, but uh, and, I, I like him as a character. And we basically learn, like, his evil plan is that he killed off all his retiring uh, serial killers, not serial killers, contract killers. Uh, to save money on their pension because he's going to sell, I guess he's going to sell his contract killer business. Something you can do, you can get bought out, but he has to make sure to hit this bottom line. So it's this weird, like corporate uh, overtones to this film too. Like money and greed is an obvious motivation, which is a classic one. But the fact that it has this little business side and it's going to be sold is a twist you don't expect. Yeah. Can we talk about his current group of A-list assassins real fast? Yes, we can. Uh, oh my God! I mean, Hildy uh, and Vivian and Axel or Alexi. And yeah. what's the dude's name? The other guy, the sniper. Uh, I think his name was uh Facundo, and was there's Facundo. one more as well, a bigger guy. I want to say Carl? Facundo was the bigger guy. No, you remember when they were in Austin, Texas, and there was a guy like out in the truck waiting for him? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this was a very stylized, odd group. Um, it kind of reminded me of a um, very offbeat Scooby gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, 
if Velma or Daphne was way, way into the sex thing. Well, and we, <laughs> I think them especially to this director, whose name I'm going to butcher, but Jonas Ackerlund, the Swedish director, whose background is largely music videos. And you can definitely see that on screen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> now, now that you say that, like thinking back, I can, I can totally, yeah, I can pick that out for sure. Uh, I'm glad with that being said, he didn't like overload the music or overload the soundtrack with a bunch of like pop songs or anything. No, we had an interesting smattering of songs. Yeah. But uh, basically Matt's hiding out and he learns that he gets contracted for one last job, which is a bit cliched, but it works because he said he wants him. And that's Mr. Brute's plan is to get him killed on the one last job. Uh, And he goes to Belarus. I want to say where that job is. And it's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, he's sleeping with a prostitute there. He asked to borrow like the son and her for the job he's working. And you see him pose as a maintenance worker to try and drill a door open. Because he knows that's where the guy who's supposed to kill him is hanging out. Or But he's actually contracted to kill him. It's, it sounds a little convoluted, but if you watch it, it makes sense. Uh, it is a little convoluted, yeah. though. Uh, but I... Like when you see him in action for the first time, it is an incredible scene. It takes a while for us to get there, but uh, essentially, he the guy gets upset that there's a drilling outside, so the door open, and Mads takes a nail gun and basically nails both his palms to the wall in the hallway and nails his ball sack uh, to the wall a couple times as well. You know, it wasn't his penis that he nailed to the wall. Just, I mean, it's my guess. If you want to go back and really examine that scene more thoroughly. I did. I watched it 13 times and I'm convinced it was the guy's dick. Uh, And as that's commotion going on, all of his bodyguard protectors, whoever they are, come out to protect him. And you just see Matt's just methodically just kill them all off. Uh, My favorite shot in that was he blew somebody's kneecap off and the guy was laying down on the ground. And he shot through the wall, like he could see where the guy would be. Shot yeah. through the wall and killed him. Like that a lot. Well, and to get information on him too, I thought it was like clever to show like how vindictive, like and cruel or good at the job he can be. But he takes the power drill and literally drills it into the guy's skull, and we see the drill twisting and the blood and the skin uh, twisting out as he's pressing him for information. Yep, and then he just kills him anyways. Yeah, kills him. He's like, oh, I think you're telling the truth. Dead. Takes the money, and that's when the villains realize that they're uh, in deep doo-doo. And then if they would have just played take the money and run, I would have been on cloud nine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the part like where the villains, the team of the Scooby henchmen, as Matt put it, are just traveling (laughs) to all of his homes and and asking all the various people in those homes who they pay rent to. I thought that was kind of a tedious uh, plot point just to get them more screen time and to make the action. But I, I felt like that wouldn't have accomplished anything. They're like, oh, oh, I'm paying rent uh, to to Mads. They're like, oh, okay, thanks. Then yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we that? knew that, yeah. obviously. Like, why are you going around and doing this? Yeah. Some of these plot points didn't make a whole lot of sense. <clears throat> what do you think of the relationship uh, between Duncan, which is Mads Mickelson, uh, and Camille, Vanessa Hudgens' character? Oh, what's his What's his code name? That's what uh, I need to call him by. I thought it was Dark. Was it Dark something, I want to say? Oh, he had a way cooler nickname than that. <laughs> Maybe it was just Dunky? It Dunkin was definitely Donuts? not Dunky. Although, if you want to call him that, <laughs> I am I am totally fine with it. It might work, though. People are like, oh, Dunky's coming to kill me? That's not threatening. It'll have their guard down. Uh, the Black Kaiser? Oh, yeah. That is a really cool code name. Yeah. yeah. 
It was Black Kaiser, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. that was a dope nickname. Uh, I I rescind my request for being called. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> oh, the, the train conductor. Yeah. Call me Black Kaiser from now on. You earned it. Yeah, don't call me White Kaiser though. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that. I, I don't want that. <laughs> Either way, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good way. Not a good look for me. Um. What were we talking about? <laughs> what do you think of the relationship between Duncan and Camille? Oh, Vanessa Hudgens? Yeah. Uh, can I just say that Vanessa Hudgens as an actress is not my favorite? No. By a long shot. But at the beginning, it wasn't bad. No, I no, liked no. it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought towards the end, uh, maybe she wavered some. I, in the beginning, I thought she did a really good job yep. of this timid girl hiding out in this small town, nervous around everything. Yep. And absolutely. I loved like, the way he tried to build his relationship with her. Because he's not like a normal human being. So it was awkward. And whenever she tells him, uh, she learns more about him and tells him that she he should go talk to the kids at school, which was actually the best scene in the film. Uh, it was fucking great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, Duncan goes to the school and gives the kids a lecture and has one of the kids up in front of all the other kids with a an assassin's knife in his hand <laughs> and shows them the most effective way to kill someone with a knife, <laughs> slicing all their critical points across the body. Uh Totally great. I'm glad the teacher didn't interrupt. Yeah. I she learned something, too. And then he shows some photos of what a three-week-old dead body looks like. <laughs> because it's informational. It's something that kids need to know. Yeah, exactly. And the kids seem to love it. <laughs> that was the best part, is the kids were super into it. Oh, every single one of those kids was yeah. fucking hard on. Yeah. And it was a great way to, like, his background. Like, when the kids, like, ask him a question, they basically ask him about, like, like do they eat turkey and turkey? And he would say, like, no, they eat chicken. And a flashback to Achilles head in Turkey. And yeah, then, or so how do they uh, dispose of the dead in India yeah, yeah. with fire? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty yeah, neat. I thought it was pretty good, too. Uh, very weird kids, though. Yeah, <laughs> very weird. Very odd children. Never going to Montana, basically. Yeah. I don't want to know what they're feeding those kids or how they're uh, being raised. I also love, too, she, she had a recurring bit in the film, but the convenience store lady who worked like the only store in town who talked about, like, how her Jesus is a handsome Jesus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite part was right there at the beginning, uh, sp- speaking of this lady, uh, when she was putting on her best salesman hat and sold him a bunch of party supplies for his 50th birthday. <laughs> yeah. And he just decorated yeah. his house for only him. It was yeah, great. I thought it was pretty great. Uh, and really, like, I think this kind of goes with the problem with this film, because after this, I think there's only three really, like, plot points that really matter. Uh, the first one being... Where he, uh, where the assassins come to his house and try and kill him, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome because he used the technique of sending uh, Cindy uh, in there to try and seduce him, and she does. And it, there's this gratuitous sex scene uh, that goes on for yeah. a long time. Oh they, yeah, again yeah. watching that right <laughs> yeah. next to my uh, to my coworker. On the That's floor. a good about two to three minutes. Of multiple positions, so that must have been fun. For, Let for me the tell flight. you, I fast forwarded <laughs> like I what I thought was yeah. long enough, not long enough. So I fast forwarded again, and it was in the middle of action. I was like, "Shit, gotta yeah, rewind yeah. it." Uh, but essentially, uh, whenever she gives a signal to take the shot, he realizes what it is and ducks out of the way. And well, he doesn't duck out of the way; yeah. he lifts, lifts her, her up, uh, yeah, yeah, and she gets shot. And she takes the bullet, yeah. and she's still giving these people yeah. direction as to yeah. where to go. And yeah, but he's completely naked. Uh, yep. she's completely naked and they're like, and he's firing his rifle in the house and where he is. And he's dodging it rolling front to side. But there's this awesome scene where there's this hatchet like under his bed 
and he reaches for it and he throws it under the bed and just it just hits uh Cindy directly in the skull and kills her like in the middle like I was like that's the kind of like death I want from like an over the top action movie. Yep, it was great. Um there was another really cool death. He goes and takes out a sniper in kind of just what you would expect kind of a way. Yeah. And then he goes to snipe the people in the house. And then he turns on the infrared and sees the breath behind the fridge. Yeah. That's really cool. Shoots through the fridge, hits the lady. And then as she falls, he shoots and hits her again. Yeah. It's a, this is a really Excellent. cool, like just five minutes of, of like action. Just a really cool set piece. Like I, I would definitely watch that moment again. Just to it was arguably the best bit of action in the film. Other than those, uh, that weird Scooby-Doo henchman group <laughs> doing some of their weird stuff. Uh, I'll say it's the best action scene in a film in 2019. So, really? I yeah. mean, well, eh. <laughs> yeah. Even oh, I guess you're not too far in the Punisher yet. We're talking about the Punisher, yeah, yeah. I'm not, or sorry for films. Okay, yeah, well. yeah. No, not, not, not counting TV. Uh, yeah, that's high praise. Because um, especially now with all these Oscar <laughs> movies out that you and I are watching, yeah. like, how do those not have better action? Than I mean, ones that released in the year 2019. <laughs> That's not very high praise, I suppose. Standards, okay. <laughs> uh, but eventually, like, the next big beat is whenever he gets captured and tortured by Mr. Brute. Uh, which, the torture seems like, it, basically, Brute does a death by a thousand cuts, like, type torture. Literally? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was weird at, at one point. And this is kind of where I started losing uh, some of my steam in this movie was all the dumb torture shit. I agree. It went on for a little long. Brute's plan was to torture him. For three straight days, uh, he had Camille captured and he was had her strung out in heroin with Junkie Jane. Uh, but Which doesn't necessarily make sense to me. Yeah. Just put her in uh, a fucking jail. Like, who gives a shit? Uh, but Lock her it, up. <laughs> they go on for too long, but whenever he escaped, it was an awesome scene. And there was that big moment of torture scene where he gets stabbed through the eye. Okay, as well. here's where I have some of my first big issues. Okay. Because we haven't talked about this girl at all, and I don't know her name, but she's I'll just call her the lady in red. Um she's kind of like the uh confidant and the point from, man, I would say, between yeah, Mr. Brute and Duncan. And the assassins. Uh yeah. she's definitely been an assassin herself, and she is constantly telling everybody, Hey, watch out for this guy, don't yeah. underestimate she him. She felt underdeveloped as a character to me too. Yeah, she could have been really, really cool. And she's just constantly saying, here's the deadliest guy alive. Uh, and then she just, oh, I guess we'll underestimate him at yeah. every fucking turn possible. Uh, despite everyone not, or despite warning everyone not to underestimate him. It's so stupid and so dumb. And then she walks into another trap after they've constantly underestimated this fucking yeah. guy. After he escapes and like lets them track yeah. him for the first time ever. But... I will say, oh, so stupid. The hallway fight scene was really cool. It wasn't like Daredevil like hallway fight scene level. What was the hallway fight scene? Uh, it's whenever he's running through his broken eye. It's with all the guards attacking him. Oh, and yeah. He's like breaking yeah. their bones, like taking their guns, snapping their necks. I thought this uh, one was kind of fine. Thing. This one um, is when it started going downhill. It wasn't bad though. It did lead to a great moment wherever he goes to confront Mr. Brute, and all Mr. Brute's henchmen see him approaching, and they're like, "We got to get out of here." I love that they didn't even try, and like they're like, "Like we're not paid enough for this." Well, it's after the biggest letdown, arguably, of the entire movie, where he just gets these fingerless gloves. I'll call them. I'm, I'm sure they've got fingers on them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but they've got these lasers on them, and these lasers are attached to uh, turret machine guns. Yeah, yeah. And he just takes out an entire warehouse full Italian, of henchmen, yeah. uh, and somehow leaves the lady in red unfazed and then he goes and shoots her a couple yeah, times. Yeah, and I haven't thought like the scene with Mr. Brute, like I enjoyed the comedic beat, but I didn't think it was like 
a big come up for the main villain in the film or anything. Yeah, he just goes up there and chops his head off. But the last baby of the film, he gets Camille. He saves Camille, I should say. And he learns that the PTSD that's been haunting him, or we learn that he killed her parents and he's felt guilt about basically killing her parents and leaving her uh, an orphan, essentially. And he's been sending her money the entire time. Yep. Doesn't know what and she looks like, but no, somehow no, no, she no. lives next door to him, and somehow she's tracked yeah. down. Well, he, this he, he was sending the money. Assassin. He was sending the money to her in the town, so like he, he knew where sure. she lived. It just was a coincidence, I think, or it wasn't really explained other way, so it might not be uh, because he might have known like where her address was and everything. I thought this was yeah. very weak. I'm not uh, going to lie. I but, thought that she was hiding out there too because yeah. she she seemed like she had just been abused. She was very timid the whole time. Dropped a gun the yeah. first time she held it. He gave her a, a gun, gun as a gift, <laughs> which was yeah. very yeah. odd and quirky, and I kind of liked uh, it. But uh, she was early, holds early a gun film. to kill him and get her revenge, but she decides not to because and she wants to. She asks him if he can help her kill the people that or the person that hired him and track him down. And he says he's not sure, but but he can try. And then we see a cut of them sitting on the patio of their home. Uh, and then a zoom out, and that uh, ends the, and that's the end of the film. Which I, I like. I like that she didn't kill him in the end, and I like the idea of a possible team up. So my question to you is: If they make a sequel to this film and it goes on Netflix, would you be interested in watching the sequel? Uh, as long as we recast Vanessa Hudgens, yes, <laughs> because that last third of the movie where she was just a strung out and b giving terrible speeches. Uh, that I didn't really buy into or believe. And it's not necessarily her fault. I think the the screenwriting adaptation was kind of weak Yeah, uh, was, for that part of the film. It wasn't the strongest. Uh, the screenwriter the, has read a lot of like straight to like DVD movies, uh, which, is a, which is a success in its own, but in Netflix isn't exactly uh, a blockbuster platform, but I think this has been his biggest film yet. Well, good so. for him. I mean, I just think this twist at the end, I know that's how it was written in the comic book, or I assume anyways. Uh, I don't think it makes a whole ton of sense for the film. I get it, but it's I mean it's not I, something that ties everything like, with a nice bow to me. Uh, yeah, like I like the, like I would be addressing the story of them tracking down the people that like hire uh, contract killers and taking their revenge uh, in that regard. And I would definitely watch a sequel to this film on Netflix. Uh, but maybe like cut the runtime run down. This will like close to two hours. I think most like an hour and a half, hour 40, I think would be better for this kind of film. Yeah, it definitely didn't need to be a two-hour-long movie, uh, but it was still entertaining for the most part. Yeah. It definitely tailed off at a certain point. So, at a scale of one to ten, what do you give this film? I'll say I'll give it a seven. Uh, I'm a little bit below you. I'll give it a six. But I think if you're into like action films, or you miss kind of like uh, if you like like Matt and I said like Smoke and Aces, uh, or like stylized action films, or you miss action films like the '80s and '90s, it's definitely worth a watch if you're a fan of those genres. Yeah, there's another one that I'm uh, that I'm thinking of. Oh, uh, shoot 'em up! It was kind of like that too. Yeah, yeah. Clive I love shoot 'em up. Shoot 'em up's like one of my favorite action films it's, of all time. It is a watch shoot 'em up instead. But if you haven't seen, yeah. but if you want to, if you just want to watch something that's easy and streaming on Netflix, and I think the fact that this is on Netflix too makes it more of a worth a watch. Like I'm not saying it's not like worth going to the theaters if it was in theaters, but the fact that you can just already open up on your Netflix account, it's a good start i would say to like the netflix comic book films it's probably won't hunt a candle to the uh mark miller world of films but no. it, it's a nice surprise but if you want a uh less than guy Ritchie guy Ritchie movie if you want to watch a guy Ritchie on a budget film 
or like a budget shoot 'em up. Go check this out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Next week, we're going to probably be getting to season two of The Punisher. Oh, yeah, we are, bitch. Uh, which is also on Netflix. So if you haven't caught up, uh, try to catch up before that episode. Yeah, this is uh, this will do it for our Netflix sponsorship for the night. <laughs> Only seven ninety nine. Yeah. soon going to twelve ninety nine or something. Yeah, Netflix, you can sponsor us for really, really cheap. Yeah, you can get on <laughs> Just the like one level. month of free Netflix, like how you get people for signing up for a membership. We would take it. Hey, don't sell us one and a half months. <laughs> okay, free. cool. Cool. Uh, for the Hinchman of Comics, I'm Alex Eschbeck. You can email us at hinchmanofcomics at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter. We're constantly posting all sorts of funny, hilarious uh, videos and photos. <laughs> We're basically America's funniest home videos. Yeah. Uh, Bob Sackett makes yeah. regular appearances. Yeah. Uh, who are you? Oh, I we're skipping your sign off because you already yeah. did it yeah uh, i'm the train conductor obviously hinch it ain't easy